Praise the Lord. Aren't you thankful that through all of our trials and all of our tribulations, He looks beyond our flaws. He looks beyond that sinful nature and comes in and floods you with grace and love and mercy. I've really enjoyed speaking on some of the messages on offenses and suffering because I think all of us have family feuds. And I think all of us have difficulties dealing with people because we have an old sinful nature. If you would, please turn in your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. It says this, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up to trouble you, and thereby, how many? Many are defiled. How many of you know the, the illustration, and, and for many can say, yes, I understand. How many of you have a garden this summer? All right, we're few this year. We've had a lot of rain, and uh, you wouldn't have had to been out there gardening. You just had to weed and weed and weed and weed some more. But most of us can say that we know what it's like to have a flower bed. We know what it's like to have a garden. And we know what it's like to have weeds in our yard. How many of you have weeds? Okay, great. Some of you didn't tell the truth today. I'm glad that you have a great lawn care service and you have no weeds. But anyhow, we have two choices when you have weeds. Either... You can go up to the weed, and if we see a dandelion, you go down. How many of you, you've, you've reached down, you've ripped up the dandelion, and what happens? It never comes out of the ground. You have to dig deep, pop up the root, and then you'll get rid of the weed. Many of us can say that in our own lives, in order to get rid of weeds, you have two choices. Cut them at ground level, or dig down deep and get Right to the root. Often when we forgive it, it's just at ground level. And we never dig down deep to get to the root. Today in this message, we're going to dig down deep and go directly for the root. I like what the latter part of this verse says, and and, and want you to just draw your attention to it. It says, the root of bitterness will spring up and many are defiled. Many are contaminated. There is no such thing as a bitter person who is bitter for or by himself. He is bitter with all who he talks to, especially the ones that want to agree with him, and thereby many are defiled. We can say that we understand the root of bitterness, and you can turn the air off, and I'll start sweating, but it's okay. I think this is comfortable in here. Amen. (laughs) Brother Mike, he's a concrete layer. He's like, thank you, Jesus, for air conditioning. I look forward to it all week long. And if it starts to get warm and I see you fanning yourself, I'll be happy to allow our usher to turn it back on. And uh, (laughs) Ronnie, go ahead. No, just kidding. It says there, be very careful because the root of bitterness 
will spring up. How many of you have seen faces like this? Or like this? Or just sad? We realize that there's no joy in their life. Bitterness has creeped up. Hatred has now taken residence in the soul. And therefore, therefore there is no joy. Today as we go into a great story about a young man who had some problems with his family. He understood truly what forgiveness was all about. His name is Joseph. He knew what his brothers did to him. And yet, in the very end of the story, and the choir starts singing, and they, they bleed up the music, and it's a beautiful setting. As he's weeping and he's crying, he forgives. But before we get to that point, we're going to have a word of prayer. And then we're going to go back right to Genesis and we're going to look closely at this wonderful story of grace, of forgiveness, and of love. Father, we just thank you this morning for your word. Lord, I need your help. I need your strength. I need you. And so today, Father, I pray that as we move forward in this message today, on removing and getting rid of the bitter root that so has taken residence in our soul. Oh, God, help us. Remove it and give us victory in our life. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you'll hide me behind the cross. May a blanket, may a covering be over this service today. May they sense your presence and your spirit. Lord, I will mess up my wording. I may lose my spot and my message and my outline. But God, you said that your word will not come back void, but it'll prosper. So, Lord, as it lies onto the hearts of every person, Lord, may you speak to them today. In your holy, righteous name I pray. Amen. Today we're going to look at the story of a man who was able to forgive against all odds. So if you'll take your Bible and turn with me to Genesis 37. And we can say that Joseph got right to the root. And the purpose of this message today is this to teach us lessons of total forgiveness and in the process examining our own lives to see if we have really forgiven others. And yet, I pray that today as you walk out of this bondage that you will hear the clanging of the chains that fall to the ground and only God can help you accomplish this in your lives. You see, the man is Joseph. And we can see in Genesis chapter 37 that there was generations and generations and generations. Jacob's son, Israel. Let's read together. Verse 1, And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob, Joseph being 17 years old. Isn't it amazing how God always uses young people? This is an important time of your life. I... I Accepted Christ at 9, baptized at 13, surrendered to preach at the age of 15, and to go into Christian ministry, I remembered at the age of 18. We look at David's life at 15. He says, here am I, Lord, use me. And who did he take down? A big, big giant, Goliath. So God wants to use 
all people. But I love how God is always ready and willing to use the young person who is, listen, receptive to his word. Since he was being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brother, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought into his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. He loved him, so he said, here you go, son. I am going to give you a special gift. I'm not going to give it to all of your siblings. There was a ton of them, I believe 12 in total number. So he gave it to his son. Thus, the jealousy, the family feud, the division starts to take place. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, what's the scripture says? It says they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Joseph dreamed a dream and he told it to his brethren and they hated him yet the more. And here's what's so amazing about the story. We can stop and say, okay, pastor, how do you make that relevant for today? We know that in every family there's a child that has that special place in mommy or daddy's heart. We spoke about that last week. But yet, here are his brothers, here are his siblings. They're jealous because his father says, you will have the birthright blessing. And so he blesses his son, and yet all of the other children become angry, become jealous. Hey, let me, I have seen it. I'm standing at the head of a casket, and a lot of times if the caskets are here, I'm standing here as people are going through. And it's sad because you see on this side, these family members. You see on this side, these family members. And oftentimes through funerals, through death, there is so much division and conflict, it's unbelievable. Satan takes the weakest times of our life and he just comes in and tears us to shreds. Don't ever make a decision when you're at your weakest. Someone told me, listen, preacher, if you ever plan on leaving your church, do it when things are going good and not when they're going bad. I said, well, if I ever plan on leaving the church, it's going to be because I feel God's moving me out of new hope. Even if I resign from the ministry, you don't do it when things are going bad. We shouldn't measure things on monetary or material wealth or so forth. We should measure it on our relationship and our intimacy with God. And yet, here are some brothers who just didn't like their brother. So what do they do? They start to plot. And they're like, okay, I've got an idea. And so they huddle over here, and they're all plotting against his brother. And Jacob calls out and says, son, I need you to come back. So the brothers are like, let's go out there and find out where he's at. He's working in the field. And as we saw in the scripture, so he goes out, and and, uh, they see... That he's out there and he's working hard. And they're like, hey, Joseph, we have a little plan. Some good news for you. Why don't you come right over this way? We want to show you something out here in the field before you go back to mommy and daddy. Mommy. I had so much fun saying that last week. I might just have to say it another five times during this message. I practiced that mommy and daddy. And anyhow, so he goes ahead and he they they take him. 
over to an area. See, what, let me just explain something. My daughter's up here laughing. It's because I'm a man of many voices. And so I practice them all week long. The kids don't know if I'm going to be Indian one day or if I'm going to be Mexican. I might even be Chinese. I might even be a ventriloquist. They said, Dad, so can you do what Brent Vernon does? I said, yes. Yeah. So I grabbed a sock and I became a ventriloquist. I showed them. I said, I studied a long time with Charlie McCarthy back in the day just to do that ventriloquist voice. Okay, back to the story. So anyhow, he, he's, instead of going back to Daddy, the boys say, you know what, let's come over here. So they throw him in a pit. All of a sudden, they rip off his coat. They put animal's blood on the coat. They go back to Daddy, and they tell Daddy, oh, your favorite little son <laughs> has died. And so all of a sudden, Jacob starts grieving. He starts mourning. It hits him so hard that he grieved for many, many years. Well, the story doesn't stop right there. The story continues. They plot against Joseph. And I, I, will, I won't go down through here. But yet, um, they were jealous because even... Can you imagine? I had a dream. I had a vision. And listen, brothers, before you throw me into a pit, let me tell you a little bit about... What my dream said, that do you know that the moon, the sun, and all of the stars will bow down? And there was ten of them, and they're like, we're not bowing down to you. You've got to be out of your ever-loving mind if you think we're going to do that to you. And he says, and guess what else? In this other dream, there were sheaves, and they even bowed down before me. Yet, the brothers continue to become jealous see, jealousy creates animosity. Jealousy creates division. So they stripped him of his coat. He goes back to his dad. We're going to just continue to keep on. And then Joseph is then sold in verse 26. Let's go ahead and read there. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh and his brethren were content. And there passed by Midianites merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt. And Reuben returned unto the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he rent his clothes. The Bible says he tore his clothes. Even though Reuben, we're not talking about the sandwich, we're talking... About his loved one, even though Reuben came to see where his brothers was at, he was grieved within his spirit. And yet, watch what he does in verse 30. And he returned unto his brother and said, The child is not, and I, what shall I do? And it says in verse 31, And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the coat into the blood. And they sent the coat of many colors and brought it to their father and said, This have we found no, now whether it be thy son's coat or not. And he knew it and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. He's tore up, probably laying and shredded into pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son. It says many days, 
And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, for I will go down into the grave into my son's mourning. Thus, it says there, his father cried for him. His father wept for him. And then the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guard. Joseph is sold off. And yet he should be bitter and angry, but ends up working for Potiphar, who is the head of Pharaoh's secret service detail. The Bible says that Joseph was very handsome in appearance and spent much time with Potiphar's wife. Now watch. In verse 39, we're going to skip over in Genesis 39, verse 1. It says there, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And it says there, who was with Joseph? And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to what? To prosper in his hands. And then we continue. Day after day, here he is. In the midst of Potiphar's wife. And she kept looking at him and saying, mm-hmm, Yeah, he be looking good. Mm-hmm, he's really looking good. And so she determined in her heart, I'm going to go after that man. Now let me explain something here. She wasn't going after him because she didn't like him. She did like him. And so what, what, what does the story say? He kept saying, stay away from me. Listen, do you understand? In order to prosper, because we read in the previous verses, that I need to continue to walk with the Lord. And she kept saying, listen, just come to bed with me, would you please? Come on now. And day after day, he would say no. One day, as he tries to get away from his woman, she grabs a part of his robe and goes to her husband and says, that servant of yours has been flirting with me, and he tried to rape me. What do you think happened up in there? rut I don't think Potiphar was too happy about it. So then again, here we are. It's a family feud. Dissension takes place. Conflict is there. And thus the story continues. Her husband, leave, her husband believes the story, and Joseph goes to jail. Better said, a dungeon with the most awfulest of conditions. See, people can say, listen, in theory today, is you obey God and all good comes out in the end. I don't believe that. I believe as we serve God, God shows himself. And sometimes in the midst of your storm, in the midst of what you're going through, the conflict, I do believe where two or more gathered in my name, there I'm in the midst. I touched on that verse last week, that in the midst of that conflict, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, he is still there to come in and to comfort you in this difficult time. You see, the Bible says, if you do evil and suffer for it, you have nothing coming to you in the rewards in heaven. If you do good and suffer for it, this is well-pleasing to who? To God, to the Lord. 
Joseph knew he was training for another world, yet the rewards of obedience are oftentimes postponed. God was with him in the dungeon. God was with him in Potiphar's house. God was with him in the pit. God was with him in the field. God was with him the day that Israel, that Jacob said, Son, you are blessed. God has still been walking with him. God was with him when he was exalted, and now we see God was with him when he was in prison. How do you make that relevant for me, Pastor? Well, you see, God is with us in our success, and yet God is with us in our failures. God's always with us. Let's look at Genesis chapter 40, verses 1 through 23. Now, Joseph is now in prison, and all of a sudden, another dream comes, another vision comes, and here's what happens. Verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was very angry against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers. And he put them inward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was also bound, where Joseph was also chained up. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them. He served them, and they continued a season in jail. And so there we are. We stop. Joseph interprets the dream. He says, listen closely. Baker, you're going to die. Wouldn't you guys just love that if somebody walked up to you and says, "Uh, I have a a message from the Lord. You're going to die. How'd that make you feel? All warm and fuzzy? I don't think so. And yet, here it says, the butler said, listen. You're going to find favor with the king. And so they continue, and we start noticing here, and they dreamed a dream, both of them, each man his dream, and one night each man, according to the interpretation of his dreams, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in the prison. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers, that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? They said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me then, I pray you. And the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream, behold, a vine was before me, and in the vine were three branches, and it was though it budded, and her blossoms shot forth, and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said unto him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine hand and restore thee unto thy place, and thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand after the former manner when thou wast his butler. Now he becomes the cup bearer. But think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me. And make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews. Here also have I done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. When the chief baker saw the interpretation was good, he said unto Joseph, I also was in a dream, and behold, I had three white baskets on my head. And in the uppermost basket there was of all manner of Baked meats for Pharaoh, 
And the birds did eat them out of the basket upon my head. And Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation thereof. The three baskets are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thy head from off thee and shall hang thee on a tree and the birds shall eat thy flesh off of thee. Thank you so much. Appreciate that interpretation. I think it's better to stay in prison today. And Joseph's words do come to pass. It all starts to take place. And here's what happens. Joseph says to him, listen, we've spent some time in here. We've supped together. We've cried together. We've probably sang hymns together. We hung out together. and nowhere to go. We're chained up together. Can you please do me just one favor? Can you please, when you see the king... And he blesses you. Can you in return, since I interpreted this dream, can you please, sir, will you just say, I have a friend. He doesn't belong to be in the, he doesn't need to be in the, the dungeon or in the pit. And so we know the story. He goes before the king and unfortunately he forgets. He doesn't say a word. The butler finds favor. The baker is hung, just as Joseph said. So here Joseph is at a crossroads, just like some of us. When there's conflict, when there's family feuds, when there's differences within your family, there are crossroads. And so Joseph starts to examine his life, and here's what he says I'm in the dungeon. And I'm going to die three deaths. One, the death of his family. He's realizing, you see, that there isn't any way to get in touch with his loved ones. Listen, how can I communicate to my family? I don't have my cell phone. I can't text them. I can't send out an instant message to them. I can't call them. Well, that wasn't even possible back in the day, was it? I can't get on my computer. I can't pick up the phone and say, excuse me, sir, I have one phone call to be made. Can I make that to my daddy? And so, unfortunately, he realizes, I'm done. He has to give up the love, the affection, the death of his family. So he has to die to them. Number two, the death of his reputation. Everyone in the palace believes he's been on the headlines. He's been on the internet. He's been talked about around the world on 358, Fox News and everything else. He is a rapist. He's lost his reputation. So he realizes now he has to die to it. He has to die to his reputation. Aren't you glad that God says he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble? Three, the death of his friends. Here you've lost your friends, the one whom you thought you trusted. You interpreted their dreams and their aspirations, the baker, the butler. And in hard times, they forget who you are or what relationship you had. Isn't that amazing? Preacher, I am your friend. Matter of fact, I'm going to call you my BFF. Because we are best friends. Then all of a sudden, 
Hardship comes in the life of a minister. He falls from the grace of God. He repents and tries to restore himself. And everybody at Target and at Walmart and everywhere else gives him one of these numbers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we avoid them. We don't love them. Why is it that we think that we are better than anybody else? Yes, let me tell you something. I am a sinful, wicked man. And it's only by God's love and His grace every day of my life as I have to put on my blinders and say, Lord, I'm just going to focus on Calvary. I'm going to focus on You. Lord, help me to not be distracted. Help me, Lord, not to be detoured. Help me, Lord, to just stay focused on You because all of this over here is distracting me today. All of this over here, Lord, is distracting me today. Temptation is coming my way over here. Oh, God, help me. So... Your pastor stays on his knees. I'm in continual prayer. Lord, build a hedge of protection, not just around me, but around those around us. So he realizes that they forget who he was. He loses that relationship. The death of his dreams and all of his plans, he has to put to death. And there they died in the dungeon. Turn to Psalms chapter 105, verses 17 and 18. Psalms 105, chapter 17, 18, and I'll probably go into 19 as well. Even in Psalms, it is referenced. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, verse 18, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron, verse 19, until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. The word of the Lord tested him. Joseph knew he was imprisoned by the divine will and purpose of God. Listen, was God with him way back in the beginning? Was God with him through all of these experiences in the journey of his life? Does the scripture say that God was with him? Yes. So God's still with him. So we go right into, here we are. He had every reason to be bitter, and yet today, this morning, he is a model of forgiveness. Five ways to list or describe Joseph's reactions and why his conscience was clear and he could release his brothers. And I say this to you. I say this to myself. I say this for all of the years that I've had bitterness towards people, towards loved ones. And listen to me. Listen very closely. We all deal with offenses. We deal with bitterness. We deal with unforgiveness. But God is saying that today, you can let it go. Today, you will be free. Genesis chapter 41. We're going to just keep moving forward. I love here it says in 51. Joseph marries. He has two sons. And now we are in verse 51. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For God said, he hath made me. And I want you to put this in your Bible. Made me forget. Circle that. All my toil. Circle that. And all my father's house. And the name of the second called he Ephraim. For God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land 
of my affliction. Joseph is released from prison and given a big responsibility. Here he marries. God has caused me to forget. He said, I refuse to allow my past to be the reminder of all that God is currently doing and is going to do for me in the future. He said, I'm no longer going to be bound by it. Joseph says, listen, I refuse to be a victim. I will be a victor with the help of God. No matter what has happened to you, God wants you to know you can forget it. Be free. Jesus went to the cross despising the world, but became a victor for you and for me. And I'm thankful for that this morning. He chose to live in the future and not the past. We can go straight over to the New Testament. Paul says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Listen, Satan is all around us. He uses his demons to do his work, to discourage us, to distract us, to cause conflict. And he does not want reconciliation with you nor I. God loves you. So here's number one question I want to ask. Do you live with more memories than you do dreams? Do you live with more memories than you do dreams? Because of your past, what has happened to you? The root of bitterness springs up and the Bible says what? Many are defiled. Many are hurt. Because you refuse to forget and you refuse to trust for your future. Listen, I started off this series and I got to tell you something. I love Christian people, but they're critical. Christian people can be mean and sensitive and, mm-hmm, preacher, you talking about me right now? I'm the most loving, kind, merciful person you'd ever meet in your life. Well, I'm talking about all of us. We've got to come to a place where we forget the past. I have had more people in 20 years of pastoring say to me, I'm not going to church anymore because I remembered that redheaded lady who used to sit in the third pew on the left side that wore that big red hat. She was the one who always was criticizing me and putting me down. And I just I can't handle it anymore. And I think everybody in the church is just like her. But let me ask you this question. Why didn't you move your seat from here so you wouldn't see the redheaded lady with the red hat and move from there and come over here? See, we focus on the wrong things. Joseph could have focused on his past, and yet he got victory because he said, God's with me and he'll be with me in the future. We have a tendency to focus on the wrong things. Listen, if I had my way, there'd be all kinds of different things. But guess what? Money, circumstances, health, all things hinder us from sometimes moving forward. But God's still with you. He wants to bless your life. And he says there to Joseph, listen, Joseph, you can forget it. You no longer have to toil. I'm with you. And I love that. I love that he came to a place in his life and said, I no longer am a victim. I am a victor and I will overcome. Quit wallowing in your misery. Dig deep 
pop open that root that's down in there, go another little bit deeper, pop that out of there, and start living in victory. I can, listen, as a pastor, you all can judge me because I'm the man that's up here. I, you know, my nephew, just since he became him and Swagger on the Cleveland Browns, and because Justin is, you know, there with a the dog and a live mascot, he has been ridiculed and judged. He walks into my house and says, okay, I can't handle this. I, I, I can't handle this. What, Justin? Settle down. The ridicule from people. I said, oh, I know. It, it, how's it feel to be a star? How's it feel to be underneath a microscope? And people can't wait. Doesn't that remind you of Satan? He couldn't wait in the Garden of Eden for, for God to leave so that he could just slither right up in there and he could just take advantage of the garden. Listen, Adam and Eve had everything, but yet they, we want from that tree. Because he kept hearing it over and over and over. So here's what I told him. Are you the victim or are you going to be a victor? You've got to stop it. You can't let what people say. Listen, 20 years of preaching, people have said things about my clothing. Are you kidding? One man said, listen, I think you need to wear some jeans up there. I need to wear some jeans? Did I come to you and say, well, I don't like your legs showing because you wear shorts every week. I could care less what you wear. Just be modest, okay? People will judge you. Well, you, you need to look this way. You need to act that way because, you know, everybody's expecting it in the community. He's not even sitting here right now. Whatever. I, I'm like, I'm still preaching. I, I, I can't. You know what? You can't listen to what people say. So Joseph, here he was. He said, I've had it. I'm done. I'm going to forgive my past. I'm moving on into the future. I can live a life of victory. I can be free. Number two, he chose to set his brothers free. What does it say in Genesis chapter 45? You know, we're going to just keep going. Uh, talks about Simeon and his pledge. Joseph feasts with his, uh, feeds his brethren. And we're going to go right into uh, Genesis chapter 45, verses 4 and 5. Here's what it says. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near me, I pray you. And they came near and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Can you imagine right then? All ten of them probably passed out and fell down on the ground. They probably couldn't believe it. You're, wait a minute. You have this kind of pool in Egypt? And wow, this is amazing. But I just, I'm going to back up here. I, what I love about this story is this. In verse 1 of 45, Joseph, one, makes himself known, but listen what he does for his brothers so that the Egyptians wouldn't know that he had a problem with his brother. Watch. That Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him, and he cried, because every man to go out from me. He said, I want every one of you men to please leave this area. For I have to take care of something. And there stood no man with him. While Joseph made himself known unto his brothers. And he said what? He wept aloud. And the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. Then Joseph said unto his brethren. I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brothers could not answer him. For they were very, very troubled at his presence. So Joseph said this, come close to me, come near to me. 
I pray you. And they came near and he said, I am Joseph, your brother. The first part in verse 5, it says, Now therefore, be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves, that you sold me hither. What did he just do? He forgave them. That's what I love. He said, listen, you don't have to be angry. You don't, you don't have to, to be resentful. Listen, just let it go. You don't have to be grieved in your spirit. Just let it go. Joseph puts his brothers through a series of tests to see if Joseph can trust his brothers again. You see, because reconciliation in and of itself needs trust, respect, and forgiveness. He says here, do not grieve or be angry with yourselves. You are set free. Even Jesus desires to set you free and to hide you under the cross. His blood, and as far as the east is from the west, guess what? Your sins are forgiven. That's how much Jesus loves you. You are set free. He says, just come unto me and confess your sins and iniquities. He said, he will remember no more. Joseph said that to his brothers. Listen, I'm going to set you free. And I think what we do, we have a tendency to always hold the victimizer accountable. It feels good because I'm in control. Question two, are you willing to set your victimizer free? Are you willing to set them free? Number three, he saw God in his injustice. In the latter part of verse five, here's what he said. For God did send me before you to preserve life. Brothers, you see your evil was part of God's divine plan. God had a purpose in all of this. Remember the verse in Romans 8, 28? Even Joseph knew that back then. He said, and we know all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are what? Called. According to his purpose, was Joseph called? Let me hear you say amen. Amen. Joseph was called. In the suffering of the cross, even Jesus saw God there. Much bigger than Satan. And the separation that Jesus felt through death, God was still with him. So if you're holding on to the bitterness and all you can see is the devil in the place or in the people, just say this. You know, he did that to me. She said that to me, so on and so forth. But if you don't see God, you will retain your bitterness. You need to look at people and say, you know what? I've got to forgive you. I want a church full of free people. I've held on to bitterness. Do you know I've referred to things over the last nine years I, sh- I need to let go? People say, well, pastor, why are you preaching this message? Well, because I'm preaching these messages, which I've prayed about for nine years. Am I exaggerating? Nine years. Since I've preached on these messages on reconciliation, guess what ends up happening? Things start taking place in the church, around my neighborhood, all over the place. You know why? Because where God is, there is Satan. Right in the midst of it all. God wants to free you. And I praise the Lord that he is freeing you. I'll give you this illustration If I held up this white piece of paper, what do you see? What's on it? A dot. Isn't it amazing that most of us will say that's what I see is the black dot? Nobody ever says, I will see the white piece of paper. You've heard of this illustration for many years. 
People will focus on the what ifs. Here's what happened. I couldn't believe I was treated this way. And so they focus on the dot instead of the bigger picture of God's blessings in your life. God wants to bless you. Four. Here's the question. Do you see God in your circumstances? Do you see God and his providence in the evil that was done to you? Or is it that all you can see in your mind is the devil? Satan. Joseph said, you sold me, but God sent me. Number four, he blessed rather than cursing his brothers. In Genesis 45, 6 through 9, it says this. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall neither be airing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you uh, posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh, and the Lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. And he says here, Haste ye and go up to my father, and say unto him, Thus says the son, thy son Joseph, God hath made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down. And hang out with me for a while. He blessed his brothers. He forgave them. He said, not only am I going to forgive you, you will prosper. You see, there will be famine in the land. And now you and your families will be taken care of. You will never get to the root of your bitterness until you can bless those that have cursed you. You will never get to the root of your bitterness until you can bless those that have cursed you. Question number four, have you blessed your enemy? Have you blessed your enemy? Last point, he refused to retaliate. In Genesis chapter 15, and as the story winds down, we're, we're finishing out the book. Genesis chapter 50, I'm sorry, verses 15 through 22. Genesis 50, 15 through 22. Listen to this story. And to me, Joseph really shows love and forgiveness. Joseph lives in the land for many years, and Jacob has lived an additional 17 years. Jacob dies, and now the brothers are back to their scheming and to their scamming and to their untrust. They ask for Joseph's forgiveness because they believe that Joseph only forgave them because of their dad. Watch what Joseph does in verse 15. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us. He will hate us. And he may fully repay us back for what we've done. And will certainly requit us all the evil which we did unto him. Verse 16. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespasses of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. Circle this in your Bible. And Joseph wept when they spoke unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we will be your servants. Joseph said to them, Fear not, for am 
find the place of God? Yes, for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now, therefore, don't fear any longer. I will nurse you. I'll take care of you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. And Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's house. And Joseph lived a hundred and ten years. Joseph said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. What does God say in his word? Vengeance is mine, I'll repay. You see, Joseph was right there on the verge of going, I like my position I'm in. Oh, what should I do to my brothers? Look what they've done to me all these years. That's about 30 years I've been in suffering. So I think I'll just go ahead and pay them back like they treated me. Here's what he said. He had the heart of God because he never forgot about it. It says that Joseph wept. He said, listen, I'm not God. Who am I? I'm just a sinful man. But I'll forgive you. There's three lessons I want you to learn today. And I'll do this very quickly as I close. Time does not heal family feuds. Just because 30 years had passed since they sold their brother off to slavery, don't think for one minute that he forgot what happened because he didn't. If you think that the money or material goods you borrowed are forgotten after 5, 10, or 15 years, they are not. People keep record. And now it's up to you to make sure you do what you need to do to make it right before them. If you've said something, let me tell you, it will be very difficult for somebody to forgive and to let go of it. Time does not heal family feuds. It's up to you to forgive them. If you promise somebody anything, then fix it. Please try to forgive from your heart. Do you know nine out of ten people don't even know your heart? They don't even know you're offended. Just forgive them even if reconciliation is out of reach. You know why? Because it's healthy for you. Two, bitterness is the enemy of faith. Bitterness and faith cannot coexist. So what is bitterness saying this morning? No good can come out of this, number one. And two, no way can God even the score out. It is impossible for reconciliation bitterness steals your faith and it steals and robs you of your joy how many of you can agree with me when you've thought about reconciliation bitterness has creeped up you could say yep i know it's taken residence here it's robbed my joy it's robbed everything i have we can say yes it's true listen if you can't go to the person go to the cross go to the altar forgive them let him go i'm not saying go back and be hunky-dory and have dinner tonight Maybe you can never, ever restore that relationship. But reconciliation can take place when forgiveness comes into your heart. And you dig down deep and get rid of those roots of bitterness. Number three, forgiveness is an act of self-healing. Forgiveness is an act of self-healing. God stands back and says, oh, you're going to do work? Do my work for me? That's my job. If you genuinely want me to take care of this, 
then you will be free. God wants to deliver you. He no longer wants you to be the victim. He wants you to be the victor. And listen, this isn't a prosperity gospel message. This is a message that I've seen the power of God work and a great principle from the Old Testament. Healing comes with forgiveness. Free to be blessed and free to be fruitful. He said, I forget. Lord, I'll receive your blessing. And then God blesses him. So what do you want to do today? Do you want to get out of your prison? Do you want to be free? Do you want victory? Or are you just happy living chained up in a pit? Miserable. I know better. God wants you healthy. He wants you whole. And He wants you free. So I ask you, if you can be free, will you pull out one root at a time? Stop cutting it down at ground level so that it creeps back up. Let go. Let God so that you can be freed forever. What do you have to do? You have to forgive to be freed. Can you do that this morning? The altar is always here for you to come to. There are family feuds. There are differences that everyone faces in life. But you, only you, can make things right between you and God. God wants you to run. He wants to bless you. So I ask you, what with an amen was God with Joseph in the beginning? Was God Joseph with him in the middle? Was God Joseph with him at the end? I want God to be with all of us. As Christians, as his children, we all need to walk in righteousness. I love you, but God loves you even more. Today's your day of victory. If you'll just receive it, let us all stand. Father, we come to you this morning, Lord, with heavy hearts and some trying to overcome this bitterness, maybe the, the root of bitterness that's caused many to not be able to function as free as they need to be. Lord, this morning, I pray that their focus can be changed. Lord, change my focus. Lord, I thank you for speaking to me this morning. Lord, for helping me with some areas that, Lord, I need to let go. And I think of a dandelion, how deep that root can go into the ground. Lord, I'd rather have you replace that deep root of bitterness with forgiveness, with freedom. Lord, it only hurts us and it hinders us from our fellowship with you. Father, as you sent your son Jesus Christ to the cross, as he was dying on the cross for man, he had a choice. He saw death and he saw life. He saw you and then he saw Satan. Oh God, may all of us identify where the enemy 
is trying to come into our lives and to steal and ruin us. God, today I ask that you would just give us victory. Lord, help us to remove the anger, the animosity, the resentment that lies in the gut of our stomach. Thank you, Father, for your love, your mercy. Thank you for your word today. Thank you for a great example of endurance, of mercy with Joseph. Lord, thank you for his act of love and forgiveness. Father, may we model our life after you. May we model our life after Joseph. In your holy name we pray. Amen.